I guess sort of my one of my favorite sort of experiences with DIY Spring, not being someone who was sort of born and raised in Ottawa, I'm actually from Toronto, was that when I first moved here, I was definitely experiencing that feeling of sort of not finding folks doing what I was doing, but also like who shared my lived experiences as like a person of color or as a queer artist. And that feeling of being like, oh, okay, we're out here <laughs> was definitely um, one that sort of stuck with me. Hi, I'm Liz and welcome to the CHUO Festivals podcast. Every episode, I take a look at a different local festival and explore what lies below the surface of all the fun. What their goal is, the creative ways they use to accomplish said goal, and how they're making a difference in the lives of their patrons. Today, I'm going to be talking about DIY Spring, a grassroots music and arts festival which aims to give marginalized artists a safe place to share their work. Their goal is to combat underrepresentation in the Ottawa music scene and beyond. And I'm going to take this episode to dive into why. We all know that representation is important, and that there's a huge problem in the music industry of not supporting BIPOC and LGBTQ artists. But how much does that underrepresentation affect people? And how much of it goes unnoticed? Elsa Mirze, Karina Chow, and Saffron St. James are the three lovely people that make up the DIY Spring team. Elsa is the founder and director of the festival, Karina is a graphic designer, and Saffron works on communications and social media management. I'll tell you the story about the DIY Spring Miracle. Uh, so this was DIY Spring 2 back in 2018. And for 2018 and 2019, we held our festival out of a garage called General Assembly, which people now know as Sinkhole. It's this amazing artist-run venue run by Sophia Khan and Bruno Solier. And uh, we were having a good night. Um, we were really enjoying all the music, all the art. And right before our headliner, Strange Fruits, went on, a massive thunderstorm came down in Hintonburg and there was thunder and it was just coming down really hard and we looked outside and we saw all of the lights in the whole neighborhood had gone out and there was no electricity and by some miracle or maybe some sneaky handiwork by Bruno, we don't know. Um, the the electricity to the venue didn't go out and our show was able to finish. And it was just, it really felt like magic. Everyone was there. We had just had a very special connection. DIY Spring was founded because we, back in 2016 and even before then, and actually for since the beginning of time, People of color in Ottawa have been saying that there's not enough space for us to present our art in Ottawa. So, um, so yeah, with the programming, the whole point is to create that platform. And basically what I designed, and it's not just me, it's me in collaboration with tons of people from the community. But what we've come up with is what we would have wanted for ourselves when we were 16, 17, 18, and just entering the music scene and, uh, you know, trying to find our place. So um, the goal with the programming is to make a safe, a safer place for people to feel comfortable, to be themselves, to be inspired, to see people that look like them on stage and to think, okay, I can do that too. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you mentioned sort of not feeling like growing up, not feeling like there was a space for you just because 
of the way that, you know, everything's kind of whitewashed. How did that affect you growing up? Well, I, I grew up in Ottawa, so I know exactly what Elsa's talking about. It's funny because Elsa and I know each other from uh, repeatedly bumping into each other at DIY shows. And at the time, there were a lot of punk shows, and that scene is very very white <laughs> so it, it was just a funny funny way to meet and since then we've we had been collaborating on different projects through another arts and music collective um so uh, i was doing graphic design with that and that's eventually how um i got the role of doing the graphics for diy but yeah it, it was really born out of a need for not seeing yourself on stage and it it's kind of alienating when you go to any venue and you don't see yourself in the audience and you don't see yourself on stage and um it's it feels weird to want to express yourself artistically when other people aren't uh or you don't see other people who like you who are doing the same thing and are succeeding at that. Sridhaya Srivastan is an Indian classical dancer specializing in Bharatanatyam. She's one of the many talented performers who are participating in DIY's digital summer event, and she's no stranger to the challenges of working outside the mainstream. I spoke to Sridhaya about how dancing in such a niche style has affected her, why she's excited to perform at the festival this year, and why she wishes there were more festivals in Ottawa, like DIY Spring. I am very, very honored and grateful that to be invited to be a part of DIY Spring this year. It, um, it, it was really such a pleasure to be, you know, included as part of the lineup this year. I'm very, very thankful for the opportunity. I am an Indian classical dancer. Uh, the style of dancing is called Bharatanatyam, and it is from the southern of India. Um, it originated in um, in the temple, so it is a spiritual practice as well. Um, yeah, so actually my my family for quite a few generations have been art connoisseurs, like advocating for arts. Uh, and uh, even like my grandmother learned this art form herself. And actually, she's the reason I got into it. And uh, yeah, that's how I started training, just kind of to carry on the tradition. Indian classical art, uh, sometimes uh, South Asians themselves don't fully know or appreciate because, uh, you know, we, we tend to not know how to value our own art forms. I'm sure you can point to colonialism um, and other reasons for why that's the case. Um, I find that it's really hard to get the support from within the community. Uh, I, you know, the community doesn't always uh, pay classical performers who are you know indian classical performers to perform at our cultural events they're often not paid gigs but we kind of have to make the choice because if we don't continue to perform these things that are part of our culture then you know the question is how do we preserve it for many years moving forward so the other thing is people often mistake it for being bollywood when it is not they're very different things um this particular art form of Bharatanatyam has been here for thousands of years. It's evolved and, uh, you know, it's an ancient practice that comes from the temples, whereas Bollywood is an industry that's like less than 100 years old. So the big responsibility I feel I have is to educate 
everybody as much as I can so that when we gain more appreciation for it, then maybe there's more of an incentive and, you know, there's a value placed on the art and perhaps, you know, being remunerated adequately could become a possibility. DIY Spring is kind of a godsend and I wish there were more festivals like this. You know, they really are focusing, DIY Spring is focusing on amplifying, uh, you know, BIPOC artists and through that, you know, that visibility is so important. And if there were more festivals that thought about incorporating, you know, uh, classical like art forms that are, you know, they're ancient practices that we're trying to preserve. Um, it would be really appreciated and specifically with the intention of adequately compensating the artists that perform. Strudaya has faced many problems because her art form is so niche, but that doesn't stop her from being passionate about Varatanatsium. Working outside of the mainstream is difficult, and it brings up the question of why exactly we don't showcase a wider variety of art in mainstream media. If Indian classical dance were more well represented, would at least some of Sridaya's problems be solved? Representation is a real problem in the arts, and one of the many issues that DIY Spring is trying to tackle. They're determined to provide a space where BIPOC artists can perform and be seen, and this year is no different. One thing that intrigued me, though, is the way they've decided to present the online festival, called DIY Spring Digital Summer. Many festivals chose to do live streams, but the organizers of DIY were adamant that pre-recorded content was the way to go. One of the things that's really wonderful about the festival being able to go online is that it is more, it's more accessible, not just from like to the standpoint of like, it's not a live stream festival, but also because we're not limited to a physical space, anyone is able to attend so that's really lovely for folks who don't have any sort of a music scene at all in their towns or like play, who are not necessarily from Ottawa, but maybe no folks in Ottawa or they moved and they aren't able to come back, come back. Being able to be digital in this way allows us to create a larger, like a more widespread community and allows people to feel seen and connect in a way that's really exciting. Well, when I was faced with this challenge, I, at first I was very lost. I didn't know what to do. I saw that everyone was doing live streams and the Canadian industry was all pushing live streams. There was a lot of corporate funding going into that kind of thing. Um, and I think it worked for some people, but I don't think it worked for everybody. Um, and I don't think it works for the kinds of artists that we're trying to represent. So our festival, uh, which will probably ha be happening when this comes out, is going to be mostly based on um, putting together uh, new pre-recorded pre home or creative projects that can be presented uh, through um, the platforms that everyone is on right now. So things like YouTube and Instagram. Um, and yeah, the reason, the main, one of the main reasons for that is because our audiences, first of all, for underground audiences, you're not going to get a hundred people showing up for the live stream. When uh, we do things in person, we'll get a hundred people at a show. But um, frankly, it's a pandemic, and you know, people are just trying to get by. Some people are frontline workers. Some people don't have strong internet connection. So we wanted to do something pre-recorded. I think it'll be a little bit more easily accessible, and it won't 
really require people to be available at specific times of the day. Um, and then the second part of it is just, uh, I really, when the pandemic happened, I had already had casual agreements with a lot of artists. We hadn't signed any official paperwork, but um, the goal was to honor those agreements that we had made and to really give them flexibility to do what they wanted to do or what they thought they were capable of doing during a global pandemic. So the whole thing is basically, um, you know, trying to be flexible, trying to support artists, and also trying to put something together that will break up people's social media feed, will remind them of, you know, the local or the national, international artists that are doing really amazing things. Um, and yeah, to keep pushing our platform, uh, which is trying to, you know, create and push really cool types of art out there for our audiences. When I was listening to Elsa and Saffron talk about this, and as I've been thinking about it over the course of editing this episode, it dawned on me that I, as a person who has always had pretty perfect internet access, and as a person who has never really had to worry about losing that, I would probably never have thought of this issue that way. But it's a very valid point. Some people don't always have internet access to watch things like live streams at specific times. It's a problem that you'd never think about if you're a very privileged person, and that's a little bit of the way I think about representation. Sure, I understand that underrepresentation is a problem, but do I really understand or know about the many, many other issues that stem from it? There's been a, a lot of progress. Even when I started DIY Spring, there are always initiatives that were similar to mine going on. So I think it's important to realize that like we're not the only people in Ottawa doing what we do. Um, so, but there's been a lot more like DIY grassroots organizing around like queer, trans, black, indigenous, POC stuff. So off the top of my head, there's the Fruit Star candy bar parties. Um, there is uh, Pass the Vibes, which is another similar type thing. I think there's a, a lot of great things happening, but um and that, you know, I would still consider DIY at the grassroots level, but I still don't see change happening at the institutional level. And that, that's unfortunate because, um, you know, a lot of those uh, bigger opportunities and more, you know, things that could help sustain arts, arts careers um, is still very white dominated and not reflective of how diverse our city is, a city with, you know, between 20 and 30% visible minority. Um, it definitely doesn't make sense when you look at uh, who is um, administering major festivals. And then when you look at those lineups and then you ask how much are they paying these artists? Um, so yeah, there's definitely been improvements, but it's too bad to see that it still seems like we're all being blocked off at the grassroots level. A lot of a lot of venues, especially growing up, they're often owned by white people. So I feel like that I at least felt there was a barrier in um, either speaking to the owners to get events going for for your community, or even just going to a show because it would be um, the people at the door, for example. Uh, security would be white so you tend to have a different experience with them when you're not when you're a person of color or when uh yeah you're not like a big white guy or something like that so um 
moving to a digital digital platform is uh, really great for accessibility and more beyond just um, I guess lowering the barrier to for people to uh, be exposed to these artists. Obviously, I, as a white, straight, cis woman, can't truly understand the effects of not seeing yourself represented properly in the media. But even from these accounts, the problems are clearly very present in everyday life. By showcasing art from BIPOC people, DIY Spring is helping both artists and audiences make a change in the way that they see the world by fueling important discussions about the problems caused by underrepresentation and underappreciation of BIPOC and LGBTQ artists in Ottawa. What would you like people to take away from their experience at DOI Spring? Uh, that's a good question. Um, the the primary one of the primary goals of DIY Spring was really just to promote underground music, but it um, it also provides a lot of resources to people um, to kind of start their own things. Um, or uh, encourage them to create their own, um, to work on, I guess, their own forms of expression. So uh, I guess the key takeaway would be you can do these things too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it, like, please share them with us. <laughs> I giggled because Karina snatched my answer out of my mouth. Uh <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think a key takeaway is absolutely that if you see yourself on a stage or in a scene, or if you see a possibility of yourself in anything that we're putting out, like chase after it. Yeah, that's great. And I think I, something that I've actually been talking to Saffron and Karina about, and to a lot of people about is like, sometimes I get um, a little bit nervous when DIY Spring gets classified as a BIPOC festival. Really, it is, but it's also an underground art festival where we showcase really excellent work that's happening in the community. And so what I want people to take away from it is, um, this isn't a box that we're in. When you come to DIY Spring, it's not the box of BIPOC art. It's actually um, to think about this is what happens when you're outside of the box of whiteness. This is a space that exists outside of whiteness and it's, it's, um, it's whatever you get from it. It's based on the artist's vision that, that is performing and presenting. So yeah, just to experience what thing, what, what could life be like if we didn't center whiteness? This box of whiteness is an expression Elsa has used here that I really love. Many privileged people, such as myself, who have always seen themselves represented in every media outlet, tend to think of marginalized groups as their own little box outside of the mainstream, but that's such a flawed way of looking at the world. In reality, by excluding people who aren't exactly like us, we put ourselves into a box, away from the beauty and diversity of everyone else. Having more representation in festival and concert lineups in our city can help take us out of that box, be more welcoming and aware of others' experiences. Underrepresentation impacts not only the people who aren't being seen, it impacts all of us and it impacts the ways we view the world around us. Lots of white, straight, cis people like myself live in a box, 
and having accurate and diverse representation in the media and arts can help us get out of it. DIY Spring has created a space for many Ottawa artists to share their work, and they've started many meaningful discussions about what it means to be a marginalized artist working in Ottawa. Stay with us as we explore the ways in which other festivals are innovating, risk-taking, and creating meaningful change during this crazy time. Don't miss the next episode of Festivals 101, where we'll be speaking with some of the lovely people involved with the House of Paint Festival on their unique mandate, how they've become so popular, and why House of Paint is a favorite festival of both patrons and performers alike. If you want to support DIY Spring or watch any of the content they're sharing as part of the online festival this year, make sure to check out their social media pages as well as their website, DIYspring.net. You can also submit work you've done to DIY Spring via email or direct message. And remember, DIY Spring exists year-round, so make sure to keep checking their social media pages for updates and events. In addition to all of that, make sure to continue to support other Ottawa grassroots festivals and local BIPOC and LGBTQ artists. There are many festivals you can go to to discover more awesome artists, like Fruit Star Candy Bar, Past the Vibes, and many more. So check them out! This is Liz A, signing off for now. Thanks very much for listening, and see you next time.